episode 159 reveals and delays this is a gaming podcast brought to you by me please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on if you are on youtube please comment below and like the video for the algorithm you can even just say that for the algorithm if you are on itunes please leave a review and share it with your friends and be sure to let me know if you have any questions or topics for the next show by tagging me on Twitter, submitting them in the YouTube comments or becoming a patron on this week's episode. We will talk about halo infinite single player reveal the, some division updates to relatively big ones, good and bad uh, guardians of the galaxy and writers Republic review slash thoughts, a Mass Effect Andromeda re-review-ish, and much, much more. So let's get on into it. Thank you to this month's Patreon supporters, PK, Uber Timmy, Hassan, Darren, Christian, Manmade Golf, and Greno. If you would like to support this podcast and my other content, please check out Patreon, patreon.com slash Diesel. The main benefit right now is that you do get these episodes a few days early, typically. Last, before we jump into the gaming news, please help me hit my Extra Life $1,000 fundraising goal for 2021 by donating on my Extra Life page, which should be in the description or comments below. Joining my Patreon, where I will match the cost of your first month as a donation to the Extra Life campaign, or purchase merch from my Streamlabs merch store, and I will donate two and a half times the profit. Uh, which is about five bucks for each item to the campaign. <laughs> uh, with the gaming news, we start off with Halo Infinite. We had a single player gameplay reveal. Um, it was interesting and the reception has been, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's mixed. I think it's been positive, um, but you've definitely had a few people kind of chirping in uh, and we'll talk a bit about that. So what we got was a six minute single player review. Um, this comes, you know, after a few months of getting multiple, you know, basically beta tests or they call them flights where we got to play the multiplayer uh, a few times. And, um, and that went extremely well that people really seemed to like it. Um, I played it really extensively the second time and had an absolute freaking blast. I really, really, really enjoyed the PVP. It was a ton of fun. Um, both the big team battle and just the Slayer stuff that they showed, um, capture a flag and all that. It was very good. I, it felt like Halo, you know, like I haven't really played since Halo three and it felt like that and more. So it was great. So, you know, they, they have some good feelings from that. Um, but people have been asking like, okay, like where's the single player at? Because the last time you showed it, you delayed the game for a year and you seem to be kind of hiding it. And we're like a month and a week away from release. So what's going on? 
And now we finally got at least a little bit of a touch of what's going on. So um, the video basically just shows you know, a couple cinematics and then a decent amount of gameplay. Um, obviously, it's kind of the highlights of Master Chief doing all of his Master Chief things with his Master Chief voice. And um, it gives some clues to what the story is going to be, but um, it seems like it's going to involve Cortana, but um, we're mostly going to be interacting with this, uh, this, this pilot that uh, we'll be working with and uh, a thing called the weapon, which is a, uh, a fresh Cortana, basically, uh, who is designed to take down Cortana to shut her down. So I assume the idea of the game is going to be to track down Cortana, see what happened to her, and to try to shut her down. Something tells me it's not going to be that simple. Um, so from what I saw, um, I was pretty impressed. Um, I think it looks really good. I, obviously, everyone's been doing the, the slow motion and screen capturing and doing comparisons and all of that. I think that's kind of useless. And it's the same thing that people did with the trailer even last year, where if you... If you slow down and pause a compressed 1080p, you know, 30 FPS YouTube video stream, it's just always going to look bad. And I'm not saying that the footage they showed last year looked great, but it didn't look as bad as I think it got made uh, to look. But you know, that is what it is. Uh, it does look a lot better now. They, there was a, a famous meme that came up um, called Craig uh, from one of the NPCs from the trailer last year, where admittedly he was pretty basic. It didn't look great as one of the, not, not one of the grunts. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what he was, what he, what he is exactly, but um, you know, it was a problem. It didn't look great. And now people were, they, they gave us a few moments to really see Craig up close. And it looks like he said quite the makeover. Um, and it, it looks pretty good. Um, the, the multiplayer looks really good. And in theory, the multiplayer should be lower asset quality than the multiplayer or the, than a single player, because, you know, it has to deal with other players. It has to, you know, a, a lot of the bandwidth that the machines can do um, is dedicated to things other than uh, just, you know, what you're seeing. There's other stuff going on there. So, um, yeah, I, I thought the trailer looked great. Um, they, they had their battlefield moment in there where, it, you know, Chief jumps out of the, the, the aircraft he's in and, you know, shoots a spike at another aircraft and blows it up and then uses it, uses his grapple hook to grab another one and kick the dude out and fly it away. Yeah. Um, th there was another really fun, funny moment too, where uh, Master Chief clears out a camp and saves um, some space marines, and they jump into a warthog with them. And he says, "You're safe now," as he jumps, as, as he drives the warthog off the side of a cliff, which will absolutely kill these poor marines. <laughs> like when they land, their 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 spines will be crushed, their femurs will be snapped, uh, and and so even uh, I think Xbox even posted some stuff kind of poking at themselves for that. But um, I, I thought the reveal was great. The, the main criticism I've seen from people is that it feels very Ubisoft-y open world stuff where it looks like you're just going to have like main missions and side missions and random activities and you're going to need to to take over certain points to open up the map and, and, and you know, do the Assassin's Creed tower thing. Um, and admittedly, I'm a bit worried about that too. I'm, 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 I'm kind of... I'm open world game sick. I'm I'm kind of I'm done. I'm I'm kind of done with it at this point. I I I 
um, you know, if you follow me on social media, you'll know I've been quite obsessed with the Mass Effect trilogy this year. Um, and that has a lot to do with that, you know, especially Mass Effect 2 and 3, but even 1, it has some open-worldy stuff that's terrible. But it, it really, it, it, Mass Effect gave you such an impression of of a giant interconnected world with different biomes and, and different places to go and different things to see um while still being fairly linear and i understand that like modern games don't just don't do that anymore and and that's fine they they you know the games do have to evolve um but but there is a you know there, there's a limit and and there's a saturation point too where um i i think and i think that's what we're seeing with um people kind of talking about uh, like far cry 6 and um and then you know the the uh, the pushback to the Splinter Cell announcement about um, that Ubisoft is making a new Splinter Cell game. Well, the joke, or maybe it's not a joke that everyone's been saying, is like, well, it's just going to be another open, you know, open world, you know, whatever experience. It's going to be Ghost Recon Breakpoint with Splinter, you know, Splinter Cell, you know, which they kind of already did. So, I, I understand those criticisms when we see the Halo um, preview. Um, I have faith that, uh, you know, I, I think the the key to a good open world experience that um, I, I've discovered, at least for me, for, subjectively, is I need the ability that if I want to just jump in and do the story and just and just play the game and, and, and beat the story and be like, cool, um, and do that without having without being required to do a bunch of side bullshit, then that's fine I, that's a thing i can enjoy uh, when i played mass effect andromeda the first time um you know there's been a few other games where it, it you you can go in and just put your head down and do the thing and um and then that you know you aren't forced to grind on the side um i i think that's that's the best way to do it and then if you want to play a second time or you just want to enjoy that then you can get into it you can dig into all the side missions and um you know, the, the little secrets or, or the crafting or the grinding, all the things that you can do, um, but to make them kind of optional. And that's a, it's a big problem I've had with a game. Um, it, well, Ubisoft does it a lot with like level gating. So you'll have these main missions that, you know, you, you need to go through, but you'll, you'll complete one main mission and hit level five. And, but the, the next main mission is in an area that you either can't get to at all or that you'll die instantly until you hit level eight and you're, you're only level five. You need to be level eight. And so now you need to go do side missions and, 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 and grind in other ways to be able to just move on to that next story mission by doing things you don't want to do. And, um, that's a, it's a big thing I didn't like about like breakpoint and, the last couple assassins creeds and stuff like that so um i'm really hoping that halo really gives you that experience of like um i want to say maybe far cry 5 i think did a decent job of um i think that had levels but you kind of could just go anywhere um if i remember correctly um and there's been a few games that have done that and i really hope that's what happens with halo and that a lot of the concerns people have uh about infinite 
uh, won't come to fruition. I, 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 from the bottom of my heart, hope that 343 has seen the issues people have had with open world games, especially Ubisoft ones, and are like, yep, we know people don't like this, so we won't do that. Instead, we'll do this, and hopefully their this is better, because you never know. But yeah, the Halo Infinite single-player gameplay reveal I thought was great, and um, I'm really, really excited to play that. Uh, and to see if it will maybe take over as my game of the year, because that's going to be hard to do, which I'll talk about momentarily. First, we're going to talk about a couple pretty big division updates. Um, I try to prioritize these um, when they're big because I'm sure a majority of the people who listen to me at this point are still probably division fans, even if they're kind of like me and sort of taking a break. Um, but there were two big bits of news. So one good-ish and uh, another not so good. Um, maybe. We'll see. So the first one is that we got um, uh, a blog um you know we kind of got we got a couple things and so um we got a blog detailing uh one of the big updates that's coming um uh, but the 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 update was that you know, we're getting new division 2 content uh in march uh, or february in february of 2020 uh 2022 geez pete's and and that's cool. I, I think that's a little bit later than people were expecting when they put out that kind of vague timeline um, for all of the content that's coming and, and everything division related that's coming. Um, I, I think people read a bit too much into that and got very, very attached to those dates, even though over the last year and a half, two years, I don't know how people haven't learned yet <laughs> that you just can't you can't assume anything at this point, uh, especially time frame wise. Um, so we so we found out that the new Division Two content that that's going to include a new mode and other stuff, you know, copyright, <laughs> um, will come in February, and then in December they're going to do some type of kind of like apparel event, uh, and, and like a like a small thing, um, and then in January they're going to do. Uh, leading up to this new content, a new season uh, or a new manhunt, it, it sounds like. Um, they're also going to do a PTS for the uh, the the big title update that's coming, and and that that's something worth mentioning is um, they called this new content that's coming in February a title update. Um, they did not call it a DLC, and so I'm assuming that means that they are going. It's going to be a free update to the game. It's it's. Um, which probably means two things. One, that's really cool. That they aren't going to charge people to play this new content. Two, it's probably not going to be Warlords of New York. Um, they did they did kind of say that it's they're expecting it to be uh, the biggest title update they've ever done. But I hope what people read that as very carefully is that Warlords of New York was not a title update. It was a DLC. So they're not saying it's going to be bigger than Warlords, and I can pretty much guarantee it won't be. It's just that big of an expansion just probably isn't in the books for Division 2. Um, I wish it was. I wish there was more like that coming, but the reality is it's probably not. So um, so that's kind of what we know about that. They did, they, they did detail in the blog um, the specialization changes that are coming. Um, essentially, they're revamping that whole system. And in that, they did talk about some PvP stuff and how specialization changes may impact PvP. Um, I think people have taken that information and the talk about the PTS 
and that they're assuming that this, this new content may have some type of PVP element. It could. Um, honestly, if they're doing the PTS, I hope it does. Um, because if the PTS is just going to be, you know, if this new content is going to be a, you know, a, a PVE thing, then I really kind of don't like the PTSs. Um, you know, if, if they need people to do QA, they should use QA. Um, you know, if they need people to test like PVP mechanics, then I get it. You know, you, you open that up to the public. Um, so I really hope that this PTS will be focused on PVP stuff because otherwise, uh, if it's PVE and it's like a new mode that's PVE, all the people are going to do is just use it as early access to the content. Uh, and then they'll burn themselves out before the content even actually drops in February. Um, so I, I really hope that, uh, whatever the PTS involves, it, it's limited to PVP testing because, um, I think it's always a pretty big bummer when, uh, you know, people spend a couple weeks or, or, or whatever, uh, just, you know, grinding and streaming the crap out of a PTS. And then by the time the actual thing releases, it's not really that exciting anymore. And people have already, uh, kind of gone to the dark side. So we'll have to wait and see though. Um, the other bit of division news that we got this week, uh, was not officially, uh, released at least not like purposefully for this game, but we found out that Heartland may not be in our hands for a while. Um, so we know that Heartland got announced a while ago. There were uh, lots of leaks and talks about a test that happened earlier in the year, and then it's been pretty much radio silent and pretty much zero information. Uh, and I really wish I was allowed to comment on how little information there's been, um, but I'll leave it at that. And, um, now, uh, during an, an investor call, um, a few Ubisoft games were talked about being pushed to the next fiscal year, um, and it included Heartland, which means that it's coming at uh, after April 2022 at the earliest. So um, that's a thing that's you know a lot longer than I expected, um, and it could come as late as March of 2023. Um, my honest guess is it'll probably 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 be somewhere in the middle. Um, if, if, if just kind of reading the tea leaves and stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, Heartland, we may, we may get it maybe in like late summer, early fall of next year. Um, and you know, in a, in a delay like that wouldn't, wouldn't be as disappointing or whatever to people. If I think we got any kind of information officially, um, either about that, or just about the game in general. I mean, people, you know, people um, have basically gotten to see a couple crappy leaked videos of, of maybe some stuff uh, that, you know, maybe didn't represent the game for what it really is. And then um, it's been pretty much nothing since then. So um, Heartland is weird, man, because for me, if Heartland released like two years ago, it would maybe it maybe would have been out in time the type of game that it might be my concern is that even if heartland released this year i'm afraid it's just it's late it's just too late and now there's talk that may not come out till next year or maybe even the year after that like it, like by the time it comes out, it might just be a figment of our imagination to a point, you know, like you really do have to wonder like at what point, you know, well, well, here's a, here's a thing to think about. If you're a division fan, 
Um, so we know that this illustrious studio, this incredible studio in Red Storm, um, has probably been working on Heartland since like late 2019. So it's two years now. Um, we we assume we're going to work on it for another year before it comes out, and then it may be longer. And so you know, I ask like, you know, do we sit around and and and, and same with this Division Two content that's coming? At what point do we look around and say like? What if they would have just been working on the next division instead this whole time? Um, you know, what if we use these multiple teams and all this, all these resources and stuff um, on just making the, a new game? <laughs> and, 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 you know, like instead of these, you know, this free to play side project that we don't know anything about yet, that looking at Ubisoft's record is, you know, doesn't, doesn't bode well for it. Um, and then this content for division two, that's going to be, it's, that's exciting. And, and I can't wait to play it, but is is probably not going to bring back millions of people, thousands, maybe a couple hundred thousand to come back to the game and play. Um, at some point, I think you have to kind of wonder like, you know, well, is it worth, you know, are these two projects worth it or should they have maybe just tried to move on to the next big thing? Um, I think that's a question we'll probably revisit in uh, a year from now when these things are out and we decide, um, you know, if it was worth it or not. So we'll have to wait and see. The next topic for today is the Guardians of the Galaxy game. So this was a game that um, I remember seeing it and it got a lot of mixed uh, kind of reaction when it first got announced. Um, people were kind of weird about it. I think that had a lot to do with the fallout of the Marvel Avengers game. Um, and people being none too happy with that and the same publisher being involved in both of them. And as, as things got closer and we saw more footage, I was really looking at like, man, this like looks really cool. Like this looks fun. You know, it, it, it looks like a, it, it looks like they're really catching the feel of the movies, which are my favorite Marvel movies. And they're making a game where you can play it. And then a bunch of reviews came out. And they were overall really positive. And, and I heard people saying things like, it's like Mass Effect Light. It's, you know, it's this, it's that. Um, it really, the only bad thing I heard about Guardians was that the combat wasn't like super satisfying. So I bought it. I bought a full price and I played it and I beat it uh, last night. Uh, if you're listening to this later, um, so I beat it on Friday night, Friday the 29th. And, um, I'm here to say that, I mean, right now it's my game of the year. It was so good. It was just, it was really cool because much like the, the movies that they put out, I'm not a big comic guy, so I, I can't really speak to it from that view, but, um, it was really cool how like in the movies, you know, it has this kind of lighthearted thing, has a banging soundtrack. Um, I didn't stream the game because I knew I was missing out on the soundtrack and I would get DMCA if I played the soundtrack. Um, it's fun. The humor is excellent in it. The writing of the, you know, the, the dialogue is great. The story takes you to the places that, you know, the first like third of the game, you're kind of like, okay, I get it. I, I can tell what we're doing here and how this is going to play out. And then about halfway in your mind just gets like blown. And then that just keeps happening. Um, the graphics are insane. I played it on a series X. It looks so good. Um, I was really impressed with the facial animations 
and and a lot of that stuff um things like the hair and stuff wasn't perfect but it was pretty good and it was certainly better than you know most of the other things i've seen recently um you know i think games like the last of us and a lot of the sony titles have kind of that that's like their thing is that they have like amazing facial animations and stuff and i think the guardians game like butts up against that it may not quite be their quality but it's pretty good um and that combined with the great dialogue i mean it's the the game has moments of like super big dad jokes and like really lame, like kind of goofy stuff. And then there's like multiple moments where I like teared up while I was playing it. Cause it was like very touching um, and very emotional and, and really well set up. Um, there, there's a, there's a lot in the game that there's a lot of setups and payoffs and, and, and most of them work really well. Um, my only real complaint is actually, I didn't mind the combat. I thought the combat was fun. Um, I, did cheat a little bit by I saw enough people say that they didn't like the content that I played on the easiest difficulty because my thought was like okay well if the combat's not really that fun I want to get through it as quickly as possible and feel like a god and um so I can get to the story beats and overall that worked out really well and I didn't breeze through it as like I thought I would there were multiple moments that I died a few times and had to figure it out and i couldn't just blow through it so even on the easiest level it still was a little bit challenging um which is what i wanted i i wasn't looking for an ultimate gaming experience i was looking to experience a cool story and and that's what i got um and i really um i've seen you know kind of multiple opinions on this like are the characters in the game better than the characters in the movies and man it's kind of hard not to argue that every single character in the game is more endearing and and better than the ones in the movies. And I love the characters from the movies. Uh, I think Chris Pratt is a great star Lord, but the guy in this game, the, the voice actor and the way that animated them and stuff, like he's awesome. And he's like a lot nicer. Like he's, he seems like a little bit nicer guy, you know, a little more sincere. Um, it's just, it's really cool. It's just such a great game. My only real complaint after finishing it is they, um, the, there's 16 chapters that you play through um, some of them are very quick and then some of them aren't that <laughs> some of them are too long and they're mostly made too long by, um, extra combat encounters that just didn't feel necessary. Like they just kind of threw them in to drag you along for another five or 10 minutes. Like, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm sure while they design these games, they, they kind of keep track of how long it's going to take like the average person to play it. And, and I assume they throw some of this stuff in sometimes just to, to keep you playing. Right. Um, and so the, I, yeah, my main complaint is that there were parts that drug on a bit. Um, but, but overall, man, just such a good game. There's some, some fun puzzles, nothing that like will blow your mind or will like completely stump you for like a whole night. You'll figure out the puzzles pretty quickly. And, um, they use a lot of voice lines to kind of keep you, uh, you know, to kind of keep you going. And, and if you do seem stuck, they'll kind of help you along uh, a few different ways. Um, but man, just so good. So I highly, highly, highly suggest. Um, I, for me, it was worth paying 60 right now. If you want to wait and get it for 20, 30 bucks off in a few months or whatever, I, I think most people should play this game eventually. If, if you if you think you're into it and you like what you've seen, definitely buy it right now and play it. Um, 
I wouldn't say I'm like super excited to play it again. It's a type of game I could see myself like next year jump back into and do like the new game plus or something. So probably doesn't have a ton of replayability. So, and I think my run through took 15 to 20 hours. So, you know, if, if you think 15 or 20 hours is worth 60 bucks and for a, like, like the last like three chapters, I just had a grin on my face the entire time. Like, and, and I had a smile on my face the whole time I was playing it, but especially as I could feel it was like wrapping up, it's just, it's a really charming game is, is, is what I would describe it as. So, uh, that, so that's my review of guardians of the galaxy. I highly impressed with it. Extremely good. And I, I think if, if you don't want to pay full price for it now, you need to play it at some point, unless it's just 100% not your type of game. So there's that. Another kind of review is uh, before I did Guardians of the Galaxy, I um, did a second playthrough of Mass Effect Andromeda. So if you don't know about Mass Effect or Andromeda itself, um, the, the Mass Effect that most people talk about is the original trilogy that came out between 2007 and 12. Um, which is, you know, while they're flawed games for sure, is for many people you know, th you know, maybe the best trilogy of games ever made and individually, you know, people, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who liked those games so much that, um, either as a whole or as individuals are some people's favorite games ever. And I get it. I'm in that boat. Um, so, you know, they had uh, Bioware who's under EA had a lot of success with those games. And then, uh, in 2017, they released the next one. So the thing about the first three games in the trilogy is they were all released in the 360 PS3 era. So they were pretty limited. Mass Effect 3 looks pretty good and has some really modern gameplay. Um, but the levels are pretty small. Uh, you know, there's not much open world stuff for better or worse. Um, you can definitely tell they were maxing out 100% what the 360 and PS3 gen could handle. Um, and so Andromeda was really exciting for people. It was, it was a IP that lots of people loved and it was, uh, on the next gen of systems. This was the Xbox one and PS4 generation. And I think people were like, it's happening. You know, we're, we're finally getting like a next gen mass effect. And then it came out and then a bunch of stories came out and, and we found out that it got rushed. It wasn't really made by the A team at Bioware it didn't you know do that well and it had some major technical issues um and then it got canceled and then they they it came out the game came out and they fixed it up a decent amount and then they just stopped developing it there were i think three dlcs planned for andromeda um you know it, it, i believe that andromeda was meant to be the first of three whole games not just dlcs and um and all of that got scrapped every bit of it uh the the irony if you ever read some of those old articles like i did is they didn't develop the dlcs or the the following games uh and and and, and i quote we are going to focus on anthem to make it the best experience we can make it which is ironic or sad depending on how you look at it uh because if you don't know Anthem essentially went through the same thing. It came out, it was in really rough shape. It, it wasn't what people expected and it never quite lived up to it. And lo and behold, 
Anthem ended up getting canceled or they stopped development on it. They didn't release any of the DLCs. They didn't do anything that they were planning to do. And I assume Anthem was initially planned to be, you know, for there to be multiple Anthem games. So yeah, um, real weird. So there's lots of reasons that that happened. Um, like I said before, a, a lot of the f- blame goes to, you know, they, they, well, with Anthem, it was, they did have the A team in a lot of ways. They just were literally making decisions about that game like months before it came out, which should have been settled years before it came out. But with Andromeda, the big issue um, was it was the first game um, or one of the first that they put out on um, Frostbite, which is EA's engine that they're trying to throw everything on. Um, The engine is made by DICE, who are the makers of Battlefield, who when they were purchased by um, EA, uh, DICE, uh, EA said, hey, we've got an in-house engine. It's great. We're going to put all of our games on it. And that's why over the years, you've seen FIFA, even the sports games, FIFA, NHL, uh, Madden have all been switched to that engine. And EA basically forced Bioware to switch to it as well, which meant that Andromeda was made on an engine that they were completely unfamiliar with. I've I've read about it both with uh, Bioware and Anthem. They, they literally had to take um frostbite and, and and essentially build a ton of new systems to fit what they need because frostbite is a uh it's a it was a first person shooter engine you know and engines are flexible they can do all kinds of things that's why like with ubisoft uh, massive has the snowdrop engine that uh division one and two were built on but then the uh south park uh uh Oh, the, the butthole game is on there too. And so is a VR game, you know, so there's all kinds, you know, so engines are very flexible, but it definitely seems like Bioware struggled heavily with, uh, ordeing mass effect, um, because it meant that they couldn't just, um, you know, because I think, I believe mass effect, the trilogy was on unreal three, I believe, uh, at the time that, um, Andromeda came out, it would have been unreal four engine that they would have used, but instead they had to use frostbite. And so, so, you know, if they would have made the game in frostbite or uh, in unreal four, they would have been able to just move over a lot of assets and then upscale them, make them better. Um, but instead, um, I'm sure that they were able to move some models and stuff over, but when it came to a lot of their systems, uh, for everything, you know, they, they had to start from scratch and that obviously, uh, hurt that development of that game. Now, the whole point of this spiel is for me to talk about my second playthrough of Andromeda. The The first time I played it was after the first time uh, I beat the Legendary Edition. The first time I'd ever played the trilogy. And I jumped right into Andromeda, like saying, I want some more Mass Effect. And the thing in hindsight I realize is that I didn't know that much about Mass Effect when I played Andromeda the first time. I, The first time I played the trilogy... I'm pretty sure I beat it all in like 30 hours, which really like one of the games should take you that long. And I, and I like, I took a highway straight through all three of them and just beat them. And I didn't really get into the systems. I didn't really understand the story. And so when I played Andromeda, I was lost. I didn't know what was going on because Andromeda is very much, um, at least what they attempted to do was to take the best from the, the three trilogy games and try to kind of mash it all together, like take out all the good parts and, and make a game with that. Um, and 
and, and they're successful in some ways and they failed pretty miserably in others. And, um, and so the first time I played it, I just, I basically just burned through all the main stories. It's, this is what I talked about before about Halo. Um, Andromeda, you can, the, the game scales to you. So you can, you can just do all of the main missions and you can beat that game in probably like 10 hours, if that. Um, and that's what I did. And I, and I left it like, eh, that's okay, I guess. I didn't have any romances. I didn't do any side missions. I didn't do loyalty missions. I didn't do anything extra. I did all the main missions. I, uh, in that game, you can do four settlements on planets because you're colonist in a new galaxy, Andromeda. Um, I, I did one. I did the one you have to do, and I didn't settle any other worlds. I just blew through the game. And, um, and, and I thought it was okay. I, I was like, eh, it's kind of Mass Effect. Uh, and then since then, I've replayed uh, the, the trilogy three more times, um, which leads me to now. And um, so I understand the world a lot more. Um, and I and I've you know did a little more research on Andromeda and, and kind of read articles about you know the best way to play it and the things you should do and shouldn't bother with. And you know this time I played it and and it's a man there's a there's a really good game just trying the claw out of that game out of Andromeda. Um, I did still have a lot of technical issues. I played on a Series X. It is locked at 30 FPS. There, there's no FPS boost on it, which is annoying because another Bioware game from 2014, three years earlier, has FPS boost, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, so I really hope, you know, maybe that we'll see that happen. But, you know, Andromeda, when I played it through more seriously and more deliberately, I, I really discovered a game that had a lot of heart and that, you know, while they didn't really find the formula from the trilogy and it didn't really like tug at my heartstrings like that exactly, they, they definitely, like they were so close. It, there were so many features of Andromeda that they like almost got it. Like they almost, like they had the right idea and whether it was development or a lack of experience or capability or whatever, they couldn't quite follow through and finish it but there was so there's so much about that game that it's like it's so close because there's a lot of really satisfying things about the game um this time i did romance someone i romanced uh, kind of vetra and cora at the same time and then you eventually have to like pick one or the other and the the cora romance was great i thought it was really cool and it was really sweet and um and then and then you know i improved my what's cool about that game is that in the trilogy you can have romances um, but then there's some that if you if you're in a romance with one character that you know you, you kind of disappear from the radar from other ones um well in andromeda you can romance a character but then it turns into a thing with all the other ones that you can like improve your friendship with them so you don't romance them anymore because you're entangled but you can still have moments with them that improve your friendship and improve your affinity to them and um and by the end of the game man i was i was much much more into it than i was the first time and i did all the settlements you could do i did a lot of side missions all the ones that seemed interesting to me um i upgraded my rider well in hindsight the first time i played andromeda i never upgraded my i i i got my i used the the first weapon you get for the entire game I used the first set of armor you get for the entire game. This time I, I did a lot of upgrading and, and customizing and stuff like that. And Andromeda is, if you can get it cheap, it, it's a very good game to just pick up. It, you just need to go into it knowing it's it, it didn't get finished. 
and, and, and it's, you know, it's sad. <laughs> and they abandoned it for Anthem, which is its own set of irony. And, um, and what's such a bummer is I guess when I beat it the first time, I must've beat it and turned it off and never looked at it again, because this time when I beat it, there's a, like a, there's like a post game, there's like an epilogue and, um, and it's great. It's really cool. And I didn't see that the first time I played. So I must've just like turned it off and never looked at it. And then even in the epilogue, um, there's a lot of cool stuff and, and you, and you really get to, um, what's a real bummer about the epilogue is that, uh, they, 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 um, they very obviously, there was a DLC that they literally talk about in the epilogue, like, and you can even go check on it. And, and, and what was, what was meant to happen, I assume is that the game was supposed to come out. Uh, you get the, to the epilogue or you get to the post game or the end game or whatever. And it would like remind you like, Hey, there's this thing that you need to go check out, but we're not ready yet. And, and that was the end game justification. And then what was going to happen eventually is they were going to release that DLC and you were going to get like an alert in the game. Like, Hey, we're ready for you to go check out this thing. And, uh, and it, and it just never happens because they stopped developing the game. So, um, man, I mean, there's still a lot about the game that there's definitely, you know, the technical side of it, I think is still pretty rough and, um, uh, nothing like super duper uh, game breaking, but my biggest issue with it is that it's like it's so close to being awesome and it just can't quite get there. Um, And and that's fine. You know, that's OK, but it's just it's a bummer because you can see that if that game. I really think if they would have developed it on Unreal 4, if they would have given it more priority with their developers and leadership. Um, I, I think if all of those things would have come together better, it would have been a, a, probably a pretty good game. Um, but you know, that's where we are. So, um, and I've said this, but I actually said this after the first time I played, but I say it even more now. The funny thing is, is as, as much, uh, it, as much trouble as that game had, um, it actually still makes me really excited for the next one because, um, the things that they, whether they were successful or not the ways that they tried to modernize mass effect and in, in Andromeda, uh, which they failed a lot of the ways, but you still see what they were trying to do. Um, makes me really excited for the next one. Um, there's rumors that they're going to be developing the next one on unreal five. Um, so they'll be back kind of in their wheelhouse and, um, they've brought back a ton of the OG developers from the first three games. And um, it really seems like they're trying to put in honest effort to to capture that magic and push the game forward. So it's kind of like if, if they try to keep the soul of that game, but also advance the, the tech and the mechanics of it, um, the way they tried to with Andromeda and kind of failed. But if they can successfully do it this time and fully, you know, really, you know, go all in, um, it, it makes me super excited for the next game. So, uh, unfortunately we're probably gonna have to wait and see, um, in seven day is coming up, which I've talked about a bit. And, um, I, I really hope that maybe they announce an Andromeda FPS boost on Xbox, um, because that doesn't involve, um, any work by Bioware. That's an Xbox thing, um, that they do algorithm algorithmically. I think that's the right way to say that. And, um, it's all their tech. So that would be a cool announcement that, um, I would love to see that because I would probably eventually play it again um, because the 30 frames, I hate to be this guy now, but I'm this guy now 
30 frames kills my eyes. It does not. It's hard. It's hard to watch. Um, it doesn't feel good after you've gotten used to at least 60. So um, I would love to see that. And I hope that they maybe give us another teaser trailer. We got a teaser last year that I think gave us some pretty definitive answers about what's happening in the next Mass Effect. Um, and I really hope that they give us something this year. I don't think they will. I think it's more realistic that they'll they'll do another teaser next year because they're supposed to start full development on the next Mass Effect, um, like actual active development um, in 2023. And so something tells me that right now they're in pre-production uh, and probably have been for a year or two. And um, well, probably at least a year, but probably two. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But Andromeda, it's worth a shot. Uh, if you if it's on Game Pass, I, I yeah, it, it, well, it's on Game Pass Ultimate. If you can get it through that, I would check it out. Um, and try to give it some time. Give it like five hours. And if you still don't like it, then obviously quit. But um, yeah, that, that's that's my advice. Okay, a couple of quick topics here at the end. We'll talk about um, God of War coming to PC. So we found out that um, God of War that came out in 2018, I believe, is coming to PC soon. Um, and the typical extremely vocal minority of sony uh, playstation fans uh, uh through a literal fit on the internet and screamed and cried about this happening um if you're not aware um because i'm sure i'm sure a lot of the people who follow me are probably xbox people or pc people um uh, as some of you may or may not know xbox for a long time now has been releasing their 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 exclusive quote unquote games uh, day and date on PC and Xbox. And and that's what's happening from here on out uh, for the most part. I think there's a few exceptions, but not many. Um, and uh, Xbox people don't care. It's, it's fine. It's at the end of the day, it's, I think a lot of Xbox people consider an Xbox, just a proprietary PC. At least that's how I look at my series X. Um, my PC now is a little bit faster than my series X, but not by much. And there's just things I like to play on mouse and keyboard and PC more and things I like on my Xbox more. And, and, and I don't really care which one it comes out on, um, which doesn't seem to be the case for at least a small number of Sony, but very loud number of Sony fans who, um, it seems like the main concern is like, why would I buy a PlayStation if I can just play it on PC? But then like, just like what I just said, I have both and I, I probably play a lot more on my Xbox. It's just simpler. It's just easier. Um, you know, PCs like it or not are just more complicated. And when you, you know, you can have a driver screw everything up randomly one day, uh, you know, you have to keep up with vi you know, video cards and, and, and Ram and processors and, and all this stuff. And, and, and all of the things that goes along with those, like, you know, drivers and patches and all this stuff. And, um, it's, it's interesting because from a fan perspective, from these relatively small number of people who get really upset about this, it's like a weird console war thing. Like, like they say like, well, all of our games are on the console, which means our console is better than theirs because they share their games. They have to. And it's like, well, now we're doing it. And it's like a, it's like a threat to their like weird console war crap. Right. Um, I will say though, that, um, Sony, I think sends a weird message because, they don't release their games day and date. They they release their games on PC like two or three years later. And um, and I think that is a very clear indication that Sony still like really, 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 really cares about selling more consoles than Microsoft. Um, 
I'm not saying that Microsoft doesn't care about winning the console sales war or whatever. I'm sure they would love to sell more than Sony, but it seems like they're not, it's not as big a priority. And it seems like the PlayStation is really, really dedicated to selling more PlayStations than Xboxes um, because of this move. Like they're happy to take the PC money later, but they know that they'll sell more PlayStations if they release these tentpole games like God of War, Last of Us, um, Horizon now. You know, they if, if they did day and date on those games, PC and PlayStation, you know, not as many people would buy PlayStations to play those games. They would just use their PC. But then they would st- they would probably sell more games. An example I saw that someone made was about um, Days Gone in that uh, if Days Gone had released day and date, a lot of people would have bought it on PC and PlayStation 4, and it probably would have sold more copies than it ever did. But what happened is that it came out on PlayStation 4 to mixed reception, and then by and then two, three years later, when it came out on PC, I, I'm under the impression it didn't sell very well, because by then people kind of knew what it was about and weren't really into it. And um, if they release a day and date, now I'm not saying this is a good thing, but they can kind of take advantage of the goodwill people have towards PlayStation games. So I don't know. I think the whole thing's weird. Um, PlayStation has uh, they they are they are publishing their PC games under a new PlayStation PC label. Uh, I didn't know before they were publishing their PC games through their mobile publisher, which is really weird. Um, but I guess they didn't want to. I don't know. I don't know why they were doing that. Um, but now like they do have a PC, a PlayStation PC thing. So I, I think eventually PlayStation will do day and date with PC. Um, I think it's, it probably won't be till the PlayStation six. I, I think they will go this whole generation and still really push. Like if you want to play our games, day one, you have to buy one of our consoles because here in a year or two, it'll be easier to buy them and they will be more available. And here's the thing to think about those systems came out in 2020 there's a really good chance that 2023 2024 xbox and playstation puts out a pro version of their of the current systems um like there will probably be oh goodness i don't even know what xbox Xbox will name it because the xbox had xbox one and then the one x but now we have the series x so are they gonna do like a series x pro or something i don't know and then the ps5 pro sounds likely and so, you know, we'll probably have those in a couple of years or a year and a half or so. And uh, everyone will do the rat race to get that. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, I, I think PlayStation eventually goes day and date on PC. But I think it's going to be another six or seven years at least. So we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Um, a little story here. This is kind of old, but I still wanted to touch on it. Um, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we found out that they, uh, in the last year, had a thirty-seven percent growth of Xbox Game Pass, which is pretty massive. That's a pretty big deal. Um, and what was funny is uh, apparently their target was forty-eight percent. And so what was really interesting was seeing the reporting on this, and and it and it was very telling of where the reporter stood on xbox because if they were more like i think neutral or pro xbox they would report like holy crap game pass grew by 37 percent like that's wild that's so much and if maybe they were a little less uh, xbox positive you saw it being reported as well they missed their target by nine points with a bunch of losers and um through some podcasts and some stuff i've read about is 
this 48% target, um, apparently Microsoft almost always sets targets that it's probably not going to hit because um, they expect a lot. They're friggin' Microsoft, you know, like, um, like them or not, they are um, an exceptional company and they uh, are, they, they're, they're very financially viable and uh, have, are very successful. And you don't reach that status by having low goals. And so, I mean, I think the story is that they had 37% growth. I think that's pretty wild. That's um, a lot because they already had a large install base of game of game pass. And, um, I'll be and, and and one big thing people talked about is the reason it probably was short by nine points was almost certainly, um, Halo infinite being delayed. Um, that's their tent pole game. Um, now whether it still will be after infinite comes out, we'll have to wait and see. But the simple fact is, is that they're, there haven't really been too many like real tentpole releases yet on uh, exclusively the Xbox, which comes with Game Pass, um, to to show for it yet. So you know you have to think about what's coming. Like we just had Age of Empires, and we had the Microsoft Flight Simulator, and we have Halo coming. We have Forza Horizon Five coming. We have the Hellblade sequel coming. Um, you know we have all these other games. Not to mention uh, like Starfield next year. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if in the next year and a half they see a, a huge explosion of Game Pass because all of those games you just pay your Game Pass subscription and you get them all, and it, it's going to take those heavy hitting exclusives for them to finally like to really see that growth that they're looking for from Game Pass, and I I think it's coming. So, and then the last bit here, I'll talk about Riders Republic really quickly. Um, I do want to thank Ubisoft, and I'll be very clear that they did give me a code for free to play this. Um, I had checked out a couple of the earlier um, tests and betas and, and and stuff they did. I've seen some reviews for this game that are very glowing. Um, Skillup did a review where he was very positive on this game. Um, I've never really been like a steep or SSX or extreme winter sports or extreme, you know, X games type of dude. Uh, this game just didn't connect with me at all. Um, they did a bunch. There's a bunch of the the the. The onboarding is just cringy to me and really rough. Um, the controls, I think, feel awful. And for a game that, like, you're supposed to be doing tricks and all this stuff, like, I really feel like that the, the controls like are like the most important thing. Um, it's a pretty pretty game. Um, it's extremely expansive. It's a freaking gigantic game. It's it's very, it's very, it's a it's a, it's a hardcore Ubisoft open world and in, in a very big way. Um, they do some creative stuff with like most of the people you're racing against or that you see are ghosts of actual people. So you may not actually be playing at the same time as them, but their activity during their play sessions has been recorded and you're seeing it as if they are there, which is pretty cool. And some other games have done that too, but it seems like they're doing it at the largest scale I've seen so far. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really think that Riders Republic would have been a perfect free to play game. It's so funny that uh, Ubisoft is hitting this free to play thing so hard and they missed it with this game. I really think that if they like up the monetization a lot of like apparel and stuff like that, and they would have made this free to play, it would probably be a pretty big deal, especially if they put in some like really competitive modes that were kind of like a, almost like a fall guys type thing or something, because some of the races are like that. Um, but there's no like sense to it, but if you could like make your own lobbies or like actually legitimately compete against other people who are currently playing and have some type of crown or something that you can win. Um, I really feel like they missed out on a pretty big opportunity there, but 
I don't know. It's just, it's not my thing. I appreciate the 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 code. I, I I really wanted to like it. I was really interested in this last year, and then as more and more came out about it, and after I touched it a few times, I just don't. I don't know. It's not for me. If if you, if you like those type of games, it's probably amazing. But if you're like trying to get into that type of game, it didn't capture me, and that's that's all I can say about it. The um. The next part here is we have a couple of listener questions um, from uh, the first one here is from Pizza Morgue. Uh, it's a bit of a long one here. With journalists admitting fatigue with the Far Cry franchise uh, before even talking about Far Cry 6, uh, do you agree with this practice? All reviews are subjective, but the fatigue is singular to the reviewer. So is it relevant when weighing the merits of the title? Yeah, I think that's a fair point to bring up um, because in theory, a game reviewer should review each game in a like 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 a quarantine zone, right? Um, so Far Cry Six should just be reviewed as Far Cry Six. It shouldn't matter if it's similar to Five or Four or whatever you know the other ones. And um, and I'm I'm honestly pretty mixed on it because especially because like. Like imagine like for me to review Breakpoint and not consider Wildlands, to review Valhalla and not consider Odyssey, to review um, Division One and not Two, even though I actually think they made quite a bit of progression there. Um, I don't really think they're as copy and paste as as those other examples. I don't know. I, I think your point is fair that it is maybe unfair to the game because it seems like a lot of people like Far Cry Six. Um, it, but it always comes with a caveat of, yeah, Far Cry 6 is a lot of fun, but it's just more of the same. Um, I think if I was reviewing games, I would feel like it's fair to, to mention this fatigue. Um, because I think it matters. On the other hand, it probably doesn't matter as much to, to, to the regular player a normal gamer right because they aren't um constantly being subjected to games you know so like you know the average reviewer is probably playing 20 30 40 50 games a year where the average gamer probably plays what like maybe five or ten at the most um that's probably on the high side and so that that fatigue may not be shared by the average consumer so i i think that I guess my diplomatic answer would be that I think it's fair for them to mention the fatigue, but that maybe they could be more cognizant of maybe the fatigue impacts them more than the people reading. And maybe they, they can be more um, expressive of that and to, to be more like, Hey, I understand that maybe this is just me, but this is what I'm feeling. Cause I think they should say how they feel. Um, but then maybe also qualify it a little bit that, and maybe, maybe you didn't play Far Cry five. And so this will feel very new to you, or maybe this is your first Far Cry ever, or maybe you did play all those, but you just like that formula. Like those are all things that can all be true, you know? So, um, I, I think it's a fair point to bring up. Um, I, I overall think that it's okay what they do. Um, but I, I would say that it would be maybe more fair for them to be more, uh, upfront about it or, or maybe be more thoughtful of, uh, how others may feel about it. 
Second question here comes from Master Prime. Uh, Master Prime had three questions, but the other two I've either already answered or don't really apply to me. Um, but a very simple question, hype for BF2042. And my answer is yes. And that's it. But for real, um, yeah, I am hyped for 2042. Um, I had a ton of fun. Uh, I was talking to someone about this through DMs uh, last night about how 2042, um, I actually much preferred my experience on that on my Series X. I tested um, the PC and the Series X version during the last open test. And I've always been a PC guy for first person shooters. And something about it just felt really good on con on my controller. And I've actually canceled my Origin pre-order. I'm going to buy it on Xbox. I, if you have asked me that six months ago, I would have said no freaking way. I play battlefield on computers. Like that's what, that's what bond does, you know, but sure enough, here we are. And I'm probably going to play it on, uh, on my series X. It just, it just felt better. It's hard to explain. They've done a good job of making it very playable on a controller. And I was holding my own very well against PC players because I have a Series X. So I, I was doing crossplay with PC players multiple times. I was in, you know, I was the only one on a Xbox in my lobby. So um, I don't know. I, I felt like I did really well and I had a lot more fun with it. Um, and so I'm, uh, I am very hyped for the game in general. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the, of the, of the mode that they've talked about the um, whatever it's called. And then that portal mode, uh, it just seems like a little gimmicky to me, but maybe it's going to be really cool. But just the main multiplayer, I mean, there's nothing like Battlefield multiplayer. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a unique brand of multiplayer. You can't just jump in and have fun. You have to learn it. You have to learn the flow. Um, but it's, it's a blast, and I really like it. So, yes, yes, hype for 2042. Absolutely. Um, the last uh, thing here, some content updates. Um, uh, thanks to your guys' support and, um, and and everything, I am actually going to be buying a new webcam soon. I was really debating uh, on saving up for like a lot longer to do a DSLR. I'm just never going to be doing this stuff seriously enough for that. So I am going to upgrade my uh, C920 to a Brio a Logitech on both of them. Um, and I should be doing that here in the next month or two. Um, it, it just has some features that will make it easier for me to do um, like some more narrative videos and stuff. And it'll just increase the quality of, of the podcast video as well as my stream. Um, I don't, someone made a really good point of, I don't know if we want to see this face in higher resolution, but you know, here you go. You're, you're getting it, whether you like it or not is uh, how it's probably gonna work. And, uh, and, and yeah, so that's, what's coming. Um, I, I'll mention again, the extra life, uh, PSA, uh, you can donate straight to extra life, uh, look up bond diesel. Uh, you can buy my merch and I'll donate five bucks, um, for every merch item that gets sold. And, uh, on Patreon, if you join, um, I will match your first month. So if you join the $10 tier, I'll donate 10 bucks to extra life, uh, for the first time. So, um, check those things out and, uh, that's where I'm going to start wrapping it up. So um, I do stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash bondiesel, and I post the podcast stream VODs and narrative game videos to YouTube. You can look me up as the bondiesel. You can check out my Twitter at bondiesel for my musings, as well as at the echo cast. If you just want gaming tweets and podcast related tweets, if you want some cool echo cast or bondiesel merch, please check out streamlabs.com slash bondiesel slash merch. And you can buy some of that cool stuff. I just updated a bunch. There is some like legitimately cool stuff on there. Um, if you like coffee mugs, I'm your man. 
And that's all I have. So until next time. Thank you.